One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamplow and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dubai. Oh! For now, uh, we have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete. Well, the money good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to review AEW Dynamite, sort of the go-home show ahead of Grand Slam. What did you make of it, Sidge? Some absolutely stellar in-ring action received by an awesome crowd, which indicates what the real hot wrestling company is, despite the narrative, and <laughs> some baffling hooking decisions. You know what that means? <laughs> it means what I've just said. That's what the show is now. I thought this was a terrific two-hour experience and a consistent complaint um, of AEW this year. And I know there's been a few, but a consistent complaint has been the ability to maintain some momentum from the first hour into the second when things are really, like, white hot and everything's going super quick and everything's super awesome. And then everything sort of feels like it drags at the top of the hour and then in the second. Didn't get that at all. The two tournament matches as the, like, the... Bookends and the... Tap and tail. Tap and tail, the most important things in the company. They felt like that yeah. as well. Just like I thought it just really helped the flow of the show. And I know because we've talked about it over the desks because we do, and it is indicative of something that we still talk in detail about this show before we record, that they were far bigger bugbears of Sidgwick than myself, but nothing that uh nothing that got in the way of my overall experience. Nothing that I kind of felt coming in being like, Well, this show can't escape this massive, huge criticism. I know we disagree on that. I know there are things that you think are like there's a r- thick red line, unacceptable, but that's like two quite stellar dynamites in a row, mm. which is nice. There's only eight. That's the thing. Have they, have they? Is that yes, the thing? Yeah. yeah. That's the, like, I'll, I'll. It's all, whether it's before or after the all out pipe bomb. There is a BCAD element to the all out <laughs> press conference, isn't there? I suppose, yeah. But I, like, I don't know. I just, I think the energy's good. Like, I think the energy's weird, but the content's good. Hmm. Still a bit elephant in the roomy. One of the all time poppers on dynamite for me. On this show. I think I know what it is as well. I think you can probably all work out what it is. Uh, and I think we're all in it together. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had a good time. Enjoy, a really good time actually enjoying this show. Um, despite, I'm going to say it's not predictable, but it's good predictable in terms of the right people won and we they are going on to the to the big final at, at Arthur Ashe. And uh, there was only one moment where, as you predicted, because there was this void of confirmations of what was going on, where they did the little graphic and I went, eh. And even that, I was kind of okay with it when, by the time the match was finished. Um, I'm also intrigued to, to ask you about one thing because as someone flashed up and I went, 
Oh, Sue Jane gone like that. But we'll get to that in due course. We'll start uh, with the opening match, the semi-final, the first semi-final on this show uh, from the AW Grand Slam Tournament of Champions. Uh, <laughs> Sammy Guevara, I'm going to miss this. Sammy Guevara versus... <laughs> I'm sure there'll be another tournament for you. will be all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's and... a full gear... Oh, we're not getting the full gear eliminator this year. We would have actually had oh. a tournament. Probably would have had a tournament. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, yeah. That honestly sounds made up and real at the same time. Like done the, it twice. The annual full gear eliminator. Done it, I've literally done yeah. it twice. <laughs> um, yeah, Sammy Guevara was... Sammy Guevara in this match, obviously incredibly talented in-ring and a massive arsehole outside of it, and that came through. He's uh, early on in the match, there's you know, a bit of an exchange, and then he starts jaw-jacking with the crowd. Don't do that against John Moxley. He turns around... Boom! Moxley takes his head off with a lariat. Uh, and then, like, a series of mistakes made here by Guevara. Don't get into a chop battle with John Moxley. I did like Moxley's, uh, I think it's Nick Diaz-esque. Oh, that chop really hurt. I'm going to have to lay down. because No, bollocks. i have some <laughs> of that. Uh, anyway, Guevara sends him outside with a couple of dives, drives his head into the ring steps, but Moxley fires back up and sends him into the railing. Then Guevara posts Moxley, sends him back into the ring for a two count, tries to pile driver him on the apron, but that gets countered into a headlock driver by Moxley. Uh, it looks like Guevara might not make it in, just dives in at the count of seven uh, to get his back. It's one of the most visceral things. I'd rather take like these horrible looking brain busters or head drops than that that scratch that Moxley does uh, along your back. Uh, he gets bit as well and then hit with a butterfly suplex to uh, to rub salt into the wound for a two count. Uh, Guevara did counter a submission nicely into a Boston Crab and hit that double jump cutter for a, for a good near fall. Uh, he goes for the GTH, that gets countered into a bulldog choke, transfer, transitions into those hammer and anvil elbows. Uh, Guevara counters a King Kong lariat beautifully into a Spanish fly for a two count as well. Um, Moxley cuts Guevara off in the corner. Avalanche German suplex. They're both down. And then, of course, here comes Tay and uh, Anna J.A.S. Anna takes the referee. She chucks a jacket in the ring, I think, to distract him as well. And, of course, in comes Tay to kick Moxley right in the plums. Uh, Guevara gets a roll-up for two, but it's not uh, enough to win him the match. And eventually, they get into a strike battle. He goes to the GTH. Moxley counters that into a... Brutal-looking Death Rider. One, two, three, Sidge. That wasn't even the best um, GTH counter in the match. The one for the Bulldog Choke was absolutely incredible. I've got one minor pedantic criticism of this match, and it's actually another way of putting John Moxley over, which is my favourite activity. The man is on such form. The man is so good at appearing like the hardest bloke in the entire game. And there were certain points when he's selling for Guevara where I don't really believe it. I know that's what it has to be to be a competitive match. I know the Sammy Guevara character has won titles. I know that he's got a distinct style that is more flashy but still effective because some of his aerials do look like they really connect. But I'm just watching him throw Moxie around. I'm thinking, I don't really buy this. But then the match itself was so great that I did buy the stuff that he did deep into it. Um... What I loved about this is that you could tell that there was that the good elephant in the room as opposed to the really weird, massive one that kind of is still detracting from my experience of these two dynamites despite the excellent content is that Kingston was called a fat piece of by mm-hmm. Sammy Guevara. Yeah. And you could see the subtext to all that was in this match. Like, even when Guevara was, like, throwing forearms at Mox, it was as if they were trying to really get across the idea that 
we know that there's a reason why we don't really like each other. So let's just have this out. Let's have a bare knuckle fight then. <laughs> <laughs> like the forearms were great. And then when he did them deeper in the match, Moxie was just like, I was going to slap you, you little twat, because your forearms <laughs> can't do anything to me. Um, nice through line for that for the whole episode. There's the hammer and anvil yeah. in the main event, yeah. Because the BCC are just awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what I loved about this, and I've tweeted something to this effect, but the mega fans will forgive me, is that it was immensely cathartic to simply watch John Moxley kill this guy. Mm. That would have been enough for me for like 10 minutes of a fairly one-sided match. But then the drama towards the end was really quite well done. Um, I love it when two wrestlers are really working with each other and they know, right, how do we counter our respective arsenals? So what you do makes sense in the context of the match, but my reversal of it just makes us look like I've really prepped for it and it just adds to the to the immersion and how believable it is. And those two GTH counters by Moxley. Oh, my God. Great. Uh, this is a tremendous opener. John Moxley continues to be the guad, and I just love him so much. Yeah, I was surprised qu quite how, because you could see where it was coming. It happened in the quarterfinal, and when they came down, Anna and Tay, you could see where it was going. I was surprised quite how angry I got, because I was like, no! <laughs> like, because you know whether it's being established in the match with Darby Allen or just any big guy in wrestling or dominant person, kick him in the bollocks, that levels the playing field. Can I say one thing, actually, another minor criticism, because I'm very fair, is that Tony Schiavone has done this, like, long con gimmick. And it's great, because he's playing a character where he was always, like, one step ahead of the dickhead wrestlers trying to be chances and, like, in tune with the audience. Like, ah, oh, don't believe what this guy's trying to do. And I think now, because he's established that authority and the fact that he respects the audience's intelligence, that now he's trying to play with it, as he kind of should, by saying, oh, um, yeah, maybe um, Tay and Anna aren't going to get involved. It's like, well, they are. Maybe if he like, added a little bit of suspicion, it would have like got his credibility over a little bit more. Um, but other than that, what a minor quibble and what a great match. Yeah, I love the bones of this, man. I just loved it. I had a good feeling about the chemistry anyway, and they like exceeded my fairly high expectations. Like John Moxley, because we praise him every week because he's totally deserving of it. And I think this is a wrestling fan base thing at large at this point. As you know, get his flowers all the time. He's such a fantastic top babyface TV professional wrestler because all of his matches can like invoke some sort of drama because you want him to win. You just invested in the kayfabe of the character that you want him to win. But every wrestler can interact with that gimmick in a different way. Like, there's a, I'm going to compare him to Hulk Hogan in that respect because he doesn't really need to pivot from his style. Everybody else needs to work out a way to beat John Moxley at this point. When we're long past the point of him like having to adapt to the New Japan dads or having to figure out who he is post Dean Ambrose, you're coming to John Moxley's environment. And that's like, he's, we've said this before, he's made like TV friendly, the blood sports style. So <laughs> yeah. you're entering that world somehow on North American television wrestling. So I'm going to instead isolate some praise for Sammy Guevara because he's not had much this year. Mm. Um, and it's like, again, it plays into this idea that you look at this tournament and it's like, right, should we actually try and get Sammy and Darby and later on in the show, Jungle Boy and people back to where they were again? Should we actually try? And it's, I'm feeling try. that. Try. Try. I'm feeling that. And I got it especially from Sammy Guevara here. He wrestled. It's very hard with a, a style like his. Other than when he's doing the house heel stuff. Something like the double jump cutter is a good example. It's really hard to portray desperation when you're that flashy. And he did it. Like, you sh like it, that bare-knuckle fight vibe 
I'm just going to stop and use two sets of springy ropes. To yeah, do yeah, it to, yeah. It's really tough to tell that story. Yeah. And I thought he did it really, really well. At no point was he not desperate. Was he not just like he had a few things that he knew he could try, but let me show I've got to survive John Moxley and maybe beat him through cheating. That's my ta- that's my battle plan. And then like the Boston Crab counter and like all that sort of things. Like, well, I've got it. So here we are then. Didn't expect to find myself in this situation. So mm-hmm. I'll make this work. Cooing at the counters here. Something I didn't expect was like the Gable Gargano level counter game from John Moxley and Sammy Guevara. Spanish was great, yeah. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful, but just like the match on Monday, not in any way that compromised the integrity of the match. It's like, never felt like they were cooperating. It's just, I've got moves, you've got moves. Who's going to hit theirs first? I love this. And like, this was a proper, like, going over, getting over match. Not that Guevara should need that two and a half, three years in, but he does. So he got it here. I, like, I think he's come out with this way better than some of his biggest wins. Yeah, A, a great night for Guevara. Uh, and then we were told by Excalibur, MGF's causing a scene backstage, demanding a microphone. And we go to break when we come back. MJF's music hits. Huge pep. And he's like, <laughs> shut up. Uh, he comes out and tells everyone, including the fat, fat boy, <laughs> to keep their mouths shut. Uh, he says, seven days, Moxley. I've not slept a wink since we went toe-to-toe. He saw that look in John's eyes. That look of no fear, and that, that pisses MJ off, MJF off. Uh, he says, look, is there a podium in this ring? Is there an MJF 2020? I know, because I'm not the same kid I was when we first crossed paths, not by a long shot. I'm not playing a character. You are, John. Walking around all tough. Uh, he mocks the swagger that, that Moxley does. Uh, he says, you're a joke, just like this crowd. He said, I read your book. Um, it was a good read, a bit like uh, Michael Sidrick's book all about AEW, in fact. Yeah, yeah, um, which you can purchase um, on a certain website, <laughs> and it is called Becoming All Elite, The Rise of AEW, and it's all about the formation and, indeed, rise of AEW told across 120,000 passionate and insightful words, and it's available at Amazon wherever you are. Anyway, uh, MJF says uh, he learned about Moxley's childhood, and he says he was turned. It turned out he was raised similar to these people in Albany, uneducated, poor, a white trash scumbag from the sticks. Never change. Uh, John says he says you got bullied, John, didn't you? You got beaten up. You got your bike stolen. Uh, and when stuff like that happens, it forces people to put on a front, and it works. John, you built this great character. That's why all these idiots chant for you weekly. Uh, but they can chant all they want. I don't buy it, says MJF. I know you. Deep down, you're still that poor, scared little boy from the slums of Cincinnati. The only difference is that now you can drown all that childhood tra- trauma in alcohol. Um, he says, I'll give you credit, though, for beating the habit. You got sober. That takes a lot of guts. You slayed your demons. But here's the problem. My brain is far more dangerous than your disease. He says, this is a message not just for John, but for Jericho and for Danielson. Bad things happen when people get in my way. How about, John, you take that vacation you were planning to take and skip Arthur Ashe. He claims the title is his. Uh, he says... Look, when you, John, when you came back from rehab, you told this story about a demon that hung over your head, um, telling you that all that you'd earned, you didn't deserve. Uh, and the demon said he'd take it all away. Well, I'm that demon, John, says MJF, uh, and I'm a demon you can't slay. Uh, and he wants to get down to business. He says, a young group of gentlemen helped me pr- procure the clip, uh, the chip even, from the uh, casino ladder match. Uh, all these men share the same goals, and he wants to introduce the first ever stable on retainer, uh, led by a man uh, he's known since he was 19. His best friend, 
immensely one of his best friends, obviously, but he misspoke, uh, with more talent in his pinky than any of us. And he introduces Stokely Hathaway and the firm. I feel this is a good point to pause, Sid, so you can get your thoughts on this, and then we'll talk about Stokely's promo. There's nothing to add at this point about MJF's just incredible delivery and his ability to manipulate that audience who are so desperate to cheer for him, and yet he can get an earnest reaction out of them by teetering towards that line of really not on stuff and then twisting it and subverting it to make it all about him yet again. Just in that, the way you just risked going too far into cheap heat but then just making it about him mm. and putting over something that really should be put over, yes. even as a heel, was just absolutely fantastic stuff. His delivery was great. So, yeah, I have to try and find different ways to put MJF <laughs> over because he deserves it. Does anyone research as well as he does when he does a promo? No. His level of research is like, right, what can I go back to with Mox? His history, our history, and then just create a new branch of the story on the back of it. He's so phenomenal at details, mm-hmm. at continuity, and the byproduct of that is it feels like he's a character with an interior life and not just someone promoting the next match he's got in the pay-per-view cycle, for example. Like, the guy is absolutely incredible at research, and I like the deliberate contrast because the presidential address promo itself was fantastic, mm-hmm. but then it did get a bit silly, and it was very theatrical, and I like how he sort of, not buried it, but kind of, acknowledged that he's improved beyond it. Him pointing that out made you realize, oh, Christ, as good as he was back then, he's come on leaps and bounds Mm. since. And that's another astute thing because the whole idea is you're trying to get yourself over, your opponent over, and the story over. And he did all three things in typically expert way. Yeah, I echo all of that. The the thought of, like the idea about MJF doing his homework and doing his research. I forget there's a wrestler autobiography and I'm blanking now. It might have been one of McFoley's ones, I can't remember, but it was the same thing. It was Melina. <laughs> yeah. No, this idea that you do your homework on the character more than anything else and then mm-hmm. you feel real and the fans will buy how real that is and thus it won't feel like that you're just selling a fight, basically, and then you're gonna sell a different fight next month. And the idea that like MJF taking that advice or soaking up that knowledge and then being able to project it like this on this stage and be able to like employ it as part of his, not just like that he would be the real life guy, want to be the best in his profession, but that's what that character would do because it's kind of particularly cruel, isn't it? Yeah. To, to know as much as you can about your opponent, there's a, there's a real like edgelord element to it that we saw in the CM Punk story. <laughs> it's like, this guy's a psychopath. Like this is JD McDonough, the way it's supposed to be done. Yes. Not like cutting yourself shaving or having your, your cutlery perfectly lined up in your house. This is how you be a psychopath in the context of pro wrestling and then try and mask that you're actually a psychopath. What a inspired choice, whether it was MJF's, whether it was Tony Khan's um, booking or whatever it was, to take the one person who everybody to a man has agreed is the realest guy in wrestling and suggest that he's a phony faker. Like, that's what MJF goes for. And as Cedric points out, using this idea that, like, even he was a little bit of a character, being the president you know, role in 2020, suggesting that John Moxley is playing a character when every single person knows that you can rely on him and be the one real guy in the entire <laughs> industry is absolutely inspired because it's the one thing that no other opponent of Moxley's could dare pick at. You can say what you want about him, but you can't say that he's not real. And MJF just did. So it again feels like he stepped over a, a line in that respect. It's like, don't all of us sitting there being like, from the pandemic that Moxley himself referenced last week, we, we've needed you. And then for MJF to be like, yeah, the guy you needed is a faker. It's a, it's a lie. You guys have all relied on a lie 
Like, how dare you? How dare you say that? Because I'm holding on to that. It, it's so inspired as a detail. And what sort of person, I mean, I don't think this, but I've heard other people think this, reads Moxley's book and goes, <laughs> what a little bitch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, uh, got his bike stolen. Yeah. What? <laughs> um, and I, 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 this is the last time I'm going to say this, but this this did make me feel really bad for the reason you pointed out last week. What? At one point, we're going to have to see at least, at least the notes that were made on that three-month MJF promo that we never got because, like you say, this is a week. And I know, I know. Anyway. But as well, just on that, like devil, demon, it's not going away. It's there if, if somehow by magic wand, the punk thing is fixed, he's the devil. Mm. Like it's, they're not going to just abandon that yeah. thread on adjusting. Or a worst case scenario, MJF is the devil and he has been all along and he's walking among, that's how he's been from day one. So the, the fact that keeping that iconography is part of him now, I think is ideal. You know? mm. uh, follow that. And to be fair to him, Stokely Hathaway did. Um, gets the mic, and this is the Stokely Hathaway I've, I've wanted to see more and more of in AEW. It's ain't Sunday. You're going to about to hear some gospel. Um, he talks about meeting up with MJF, flying over, and meeting someone who was disenfranchised, who wanted to quit. Uh, and I was told that this is what everyone wants. They want you out. And he said, no, it's time for you to get what you want, Max. Uh, they sat, they prayed, they came up with a logical solution, and he points out everyone in, in this ring is on a retainer. They're mercenaries, basically. Um, they will support MJF, and tonight is one of the rare times that you'll see them all together, because when MJF doesn't need them, they'll go their separate ways. But he's going to admit something now. He's not a publicist. He's not even a manager, and he damn sure ain't no assistant. He's just a friend, a friend who has a network and good connections. And everything he's done since he arrived has been a lie, all to infiltrate the system, from kicking it with Brit to watching reruns with the House of Black. Uh, he says he got the power, uh, and there's nothing like good old-fashioned blackmail. Um and um, he runs through the, the group at this point because they've, they've all got goals. He hugs Morrissey. Uh, he says, look, he, he wants to do whatever he wants. And, yeah, I'm going to be there to help him and appreciate him and love him. And, Big Bill. And uh, <laughs> William Morrissey just stands there, doesn't <laughs> hug him back, anything like that. Goes to Lee Moriarty. Uh, he says... Um, it's time for Leaford to become a star and bring some honour back to the Ring of Honour Pure Championship. Brings up the guns and you get the ass boys chance, of course. And he says, hey, these are men, not boys. And they no longer have to walk in the shadow of their broke-ass daddy. And then finally, uh, with Simon Miller with an octopus on his head over his shoulder as a sign in the crowd. Uh, credit to whoever brought that. Thanks to everyone who's pointed that out on Twitter. Ethan Page is there. All smiles. Um, and uh, he says, I've known you for over 10 years. Uh, you're a, a proud Canadian. I know what you want. You want to represent your country of Canada and win the All-Atlantic Championship. I thought this was absolutely inspired. We are talking yesterday, and I, like they, they kind of give me exactly what I wanted out of this stable, um, is that they're not really a stable. The pinnacle sort of failed, and it was an idea, a good idea at that to try and give MJF a group, but we all kind of agree that the disparity between MJF and these guys at this point in terms of star quality was too great for this to feel real. So they've just not bothered with that. This felt totally authentic. These are not now on this fast track to the top by virtue of their link with MJF, but they've got the guy that can get them on the fast track, if that makes sense. And they've got the ability and the violence and the confidence now to, to be these guys. I love the idea of like, oh, this might be one of the only times you see them together again. You have immediately created value in seeing them together again. And a couple of weeks ago, not to be cruel to any of them, but individually, they're all going nowhere. And now the one time these are all going to get back together, that's going to be quite a big moment. Stokely is going to be there all the time. We said this week after week after week. Stokely is a mouthpiece, but 
by putting him with someone to a knowing audience, you're kind of suggesting, oh, they need somebody to talk for them. This is the perfect compromise of that because he's going to be the one fixture, no matter what any of these are doing, Stokely's going to be there. He's there to talk if they need him to. Put him on commentary. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like in the same way that Regal is for the Blackpool Combat Club. So he serves that purpose fantastically well. He did the Jericho inner circle thing of laying out the goals, which was which is useful when it doesn't look right until a, a credible voice tells you it's right. Um, the Ethan Page thing, straight away, like dynamite, like your brain's going to like dynamite in Toronto in a few weeks and a probable match with Pack or Orange Cassidy, I guess, or whatever, you know, like, so you're, you're building instantly matches that you can kind of visualize this stable, these group of wrestlers, I should say, exist for. Like, genuinely inspired and new as well, like a new idea, a spin on an AW staple, which is stable and group mentalities. Now this is a an alternative way, so they feel much fresher than a lot of the old tired stables. Like, end-to-end inspired stuff, this. Yeah, I really like the separation element of it, and as a result, I don't really have too much to add. But I'm watching Stokely do his thing, and we know how talented he is. If not the moment where I was finally thinking, yes, Stokely in AEW definitely works. If not quite that, this is definitely the moment where I felt, yes, it's going to work, because there was so many cute little bits, so many great lines, like the bit with uh, Cass... Morrissey, sorry, um, where he's hugging him like he knows how to get a meme. That's going to be in replies all yeah. the time now. He knows how to get a meme. Was it that supposed to be a bit of a rib on Tony Khan and Okada? Oh, man, I didn't think of that. From the press conference. Yeah. yeah. I, got, I got my guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a good spot. Um, it's going to be a meme. He knows how to get over in all these different ways in this new digital landscape. He knew how to get a pop from the crowd. It was a little bit long and a lot of exposition. So it was a decent establishing angle, but one that was so promising that you know the best is now finally yet to come. There was something else I wanted to say about this as well. Yes, he didn't get watch chance, which indicated to me because he was going for a while and there was a lot of exposition and it was a lot to wade through, but he didn't get watered, which indicated to me that the crowd were kind of where I was, where it's like, I'm not there yet, but I'm more than willing to go with yes. you in the next few weeks. Not sure I even actually announced the name of this group either. The Firm. The Foyne. Good name. The Foyne. The Foyne. Uh, this was the bit where we got the match, where I saw the graphic and went, eh. and, Oh my God. What did I tell you yesterday? What did I tell you when three matches were announced? I said that during the first minute of Dynamite, there's going to be a minor 10-second uh, mood lapse when Jay Lethal versus someone yep. comes up in the graphic form in the bottom left corner. It was Jungle Boy. Um, and, yeah, they put over the fact that Jungle Boy's back is still buggered, obviously, from, from what's already happened, and, and Lethal targeted uh, this uh, throughout the match. Um, early on, Lethal goes for a figure four, gets uh, kicked outside, and Jungle Boy goes to hit a dive, and that giant, he looks so big, especially next to Jungle Boy, that giant Satnam Singh just stands in the way. Um, dot... Uh, Runs a bit of distraction amongst all this, and that allows Lethal to just drop Jungle Boy back first over the top turnbuckle. Yeah, if your back hurts, that's gonna that's gonna do some damage. Um, anyway, Jungle Boy eventually fires back, explodes out of the corner, hits Lethal with a lariat. Forearm battle goes for a suplex, but his back gives out, and Jungle Boy uh, then has to uh, avoid the lethal injection uh, by hitting another lariat uh, and a brain buster. In the corner, though, Lethal recovers. Russian leg sweep off the second buckle. Uh, Jungle Boy again counters a lethal injection, but as he goes for the kill switch, of course, uh, Lethal counters into the lethal combination. Um, Tope Suicida from uh, Lethal. Top rope elbow drop gets him a two count. Jungle Boy blocks a pump kick, though, and gets him in the snare trap. Um, 
and uh, as, as Lethal's trying to get out of it, of course, Sanjay Dutt jumps up on the apron. He gets knocked off of there. Lethal tries to figure four uh, Jungle Boy, but he counters into the snare trap again to get the submission victory. Someone somewhere in the world is going to ward this match, something like three and three-quarter stars. And I'm going to say, I get that, but I just feel pretty much nothing for it at this point. Like, Jay Lethal stigmatized as a kind of 50-50 job mid-card guy. You know, there's accusations surrounding him, which means I'll probably never approach his work, like, really with, like, my full brain engaged and all the rest of it, and my heart and my emotions and all that stuff. But even without that, he's just, like, he's kind of there. He's so solid. And he gets crowds behind baby faces. And in some ways, he's the perfect TV wrestler. I don't really want to see him on my TV again because I just find it quite boring and very played out at this point. One thing I'll say to put over this, and, like, look, I'm behind the consensus on Jay Lethal, given the crowd reactions and all the rest of it, but whatever. He's so good at certain things. Like, the Jungle Boy spot, the kind of Nick Jackson-esque, where he springboards onto the top rope, and then he falls down, and then does, like, sort of the Lucha Libre-inspired, like, um, arm drag. Mm. I've never, like, rarely seen him have to work for it, as much as Jay Lethal did here. Like, he's so good at the little moments that just add to the drama without doing much except, like, dark arts veteran stuff. So, like, it was a really good, solid match, but did I give a toss about it? Yeah, I, I wish, wish this had been about three minutes shorter. Mm. Runtime isn't everything, but the thing about a match like this, and for Jungle Boy especially at the moment, but there are several people, like, in Jungle Boy's position in AW, these matches need to happen this does still need to retain. I'm, I'm not asked about the discourse about whether this is like a sports-based company or not, but Cedric's always like labelled them. The idea of fixtures need to exist. Jungle Boy and several other wrestlers need to be just having matches to show their worth, to like show that they're kind of working up the tiers. Jay Lethal is in that. You know, you don't, you're not explicit about it, but Jay Lethal is in a tier. He beats Jay Lethal, and then in a couple of weeks' time, he beats somebody slightly higher up the pecking order, and you know the Luchasaurus match is coming, and you know the Christie match is way in the future. But in the meantime, what can Jungle, what can Jungle Nine Boy... in the future. What, what, what can Jungle Boy do yeah. in prep for that so that he's... When he when he beats Christian, his star is even higher than it was when he was supposed to fight him. You know, this like, it's a fixtures thing. You know, it's supposed to feel real, and it's supposed to feel getting back... You know, getting back to action, all that kind of thing. So I love the intent of it. And Jay Lethal, it's kind of, yeah, sort of a perfect opponent in that regard because of where he sits. But because of where he sits, it's so predictable. And it's a, it's a tune-up match. And they have to happen. They do. For this promotion, it makes sense. These matches have to happen. But don't get black and goldy about it and slap on three or four minutes. Like, yeah. shave the time. Just keep it really exciting and leave a memory of a big Jungle Boy win rather than, oh, yeah, Jungle Boy's uh, won six matches now. Name them. Jungle Boy's won six matches now. <laughs> like you, you can't name the progression. You just know he's progressed. Mm. And I think that's, like, it's it's not an exact science, but this was a particular case where I just felt I've had more than my fill of this sort of three or four minutes. And I, I, get, the, I get all the point mm. of this, and I've had it now. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. We've got a brilliant training video next uh, of Hook and Action Bronson just chucking dummies and stuff around and threatening uh, Angelo Parker and, and Daddy Magic. They're going to get their asses kicked next week. I'm so excited for this. What a match. What a matchmaker Tony Khan continues to be. This is going to be awesome, but we'll save it for the preview, I think. Indeed. Um, yeah, this is the bit that popped me next. I was already in a good mood after seeing that. And, uh, well, probably should see a right of reply by uh, Daddy Magic Cool and Ander on, on Rampage and see how they're training for this. <laughs> uh, Alex Marvez is uh, petrified backstage. Uh, and he says he can't wait for Grand Slam. Uh, and he says, uh, we're here in, in New York and uh, uh, what about the pizza here? So we're here with the Big Apples. Premier pizza maker and wrestler, Luigi Primo, who has been all over social media, of course, over the last few weeks. And uh, he gives him the mic, and Luigi Primo can barely get out, I'm a Luigi Primo, before the, the best. Jesus. Just if only if only he'd got that out. It's huge big boot from either page. Uh, who was it? I can't remember who you were talking about yesterday on the NXT review that you said falls down like a tree. This was like the Billy comedy. Billy Kay. Billy Kay. Yeah, the comedy version of that. <laughs> and Marvez, I'm not the biggest fan of Marvez, but I, it's, what are you doing? <laughs> Straight away. I was looking forward to interviewing the pizza guy. No, Ethan Page is like, no, I'm taking it all bloody seriously for once. Um, and he, be- he he can barely get that out before, minute. <laughs> 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 Zanhausen uh, appears from behind. The... So is that, so is that a cat? <laughs> yeah. And Borat. Borcat. Borcat. <laughs> he appears, Zanhausen, and goes, 
Oh, did you see my win on dark? I'm taking it seriously as well. <laughs> Ethan Page's like, yeah, so we win on dark. And I'm here to be the king of this place. And who better to start uh, to become the king on this road to become the king than, than fighting the jester on Rampage? Dan hasn't doesn't really understand. He's like, yeah, we'll get that jester. And then he realizes, oh, the jester's me. And I've just agreed to a match with Ethan Page on Rampage. This, this tickled me. This tickled me daft as well because it was the perfect thing of, I would actually like to see, because we've all seen the viral clip, I would like to see him on um, Elevation. I don't want to see him on Dynamite <laughs> or Rampage. Can he go, make him do? Can he go, make him do? But, uh, yeah, to get the little brief hint of, oh, there's the guy I really like. And I probably will forget about it in two months. Oh, he's got his face kicked in by a heel. And I, and <laughs> it's I now, such a good big boot. And yeah. I now hate the heel for depriving me of my viral joy. It was just great. Yeah, you. Th- uh, this was all brilliant. Y- you can't... What this is a reminder of is that you can't, and it's really bad practice for an AW to set up serious, like, Wardlow TNT title matches or Swerve and Glory tag defences with this bit because this stuff is piss funny. But you, like they use it sometimes for like title matches, don't they? Like there's yeah. an interview going on, and it all kicks off, and then suddenly there's a match on rampage. It's like, nah, use it for stuff that doesn't matter. Like yeah. this, this was a blast. This, it, like when Sidgwick talked about lifting up the camera and seeing the corridors full of wrestlers just waiting to jump. It should be the comedy idiots. Should be Danhausen. Danhausen lurks in the corridor. Uh, Wardlow doesn't. Yeah, like yeah. Wardlow should just be like walking the halls doing what he likes. But yeah, these are the figures that should be involved in such silliness. And Ethan Page being the contrast to that, sick of it, sick of it, sick of it. I think it's quite a nice touch as well. Uh, I went a bit Sidgwicky uh, on the next bit in terms of there was a, just a video of Darby Allen flipping a tricycle, and I was a bit like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he's at Nitro Circus. Sorry, you're going to say something? No, no, just come through to me. Okay, after this. because then. He was having a nice time. Good for him. It was. Uh, I don't care. But um, then Matt Hardy shows up uh, and says, you're one of my greatest rivals, and he challenges him uh, to a match on Rampage. A singles s- match other than Christian. Uh, <laughs> to scratch his way back to the top. Is it because, like, Darby Allen likes turtles and Matt Hardy moves like one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you said it. My, I've got a problem with the way they built this match and the thing for Jungle Boy. Feels like Tony Khan is addressing a complaint that is always made in bad faith. Why is the match happening? Because it's a fucking wrestling promotion, yes. and the titles are the actual actual main objective. And in order to win titles, you must win matches. And a wrestling company doesn't just rely on some idiots squawking in the middle of the ring and for some authority figure to come out and say, "Oh." I don't need to make a match between you Thank guys. God you've got into this, because yeah. I've now planned, yeah. That's not how wrestling should work. AEW is how wrestling should work. And the I don't... I hate the fact that Tony Khan attaches a storyline to frivolous undercard, mid-card fair. Of course, you craft stories for your main event talents. And you can um, tell stories that are beyond, I want that title. That's how wrestling also works. You don't have to attach a meaningless reason for every undercard or mid-card match to exist. And I think this format was his sort of ill-advised response to people saying, I don't do enough video packages, so I don't know why this match is happening. It's like, don't listen to them. (laughs) They're either thick or they're pretending to be thick. And if you're pretending to be thick online, you're an absolute loser, the absolute (laughs) lowest of the low. Can you imagine pretending to be thick online? (laughs) You've got a digital second life with which you can do anything. Mm. Like if I'm going to be a fantasist online, and I don't want to be, right, 
I'm going to say I'm a stud muffin with an 11-inch cock. <laughs> Keep who, treading on it. Who wants to suck it? That's what I'm going to be saying <laughs> if I'm a loser, right? But you've got to be a special kind of loser in your second life, the possibilities of which are endless. You can construct a brand new character that you can lose yourself in. Uh, like Dwight Schrute was a paper sale. Like another loser <laughs> like The Undertaker. Right? <laughs> you can lose yourself in your second life and you can embody this character and you say, right, okay, I've just got a, a playground, a sandbox to just escape the drudgery of my pathetic existence and to be someone else. Who am I going to be? Who am I going to be? Who am I going to be? Person who pretends to be stupid to make the argument that Tony Khan doesn't do enough to appeal to the casual fan. How can you have two pathetic lives? How can you be a loser loser? You know what I mean? It's just absolutely pathetic. And I honestly think there was a little bit here of, all right, okay. A lot of people are complaining that they don't know why the matches are happening. All right, it's the Premier League weekend. Why is this match happening? <laughs> oh, because actually, um, Man City and Liverpool need to determine who's going to get the most points. Yeah. Jungle Boy and Jay Lethal was a graphic. Matt Hardy and Darby Allen could be a graphic. They can actually be more, yes, you can't get hyped for the corner graphic matches, but there should be corner graphic matches. Yes. There absolutely should be. It's That's what this company has set up to accommodate. Like, it's Darby, Darby Allen. I swear now at this point, like, Tony Khan is just exasperated that Darby Allen isn't into, like, fishing or reading or train spotting. And he's like, why are all your hobbies putting you at risk of breaking your neck and arms and backs and legs? Is that why so, I won't go with them? So it's like, well, is it like, if you're going to do this stuff, film it and I'll use it because what you should be doing is saving your body for this massive wedge I'm paying you to wrestle on yeah. Wednesdays and Fridays. But instead, what, oh, you up too much the weekend? I'm thinking of going bridge jumping. <laughs> is that what I think it is? Yep. <laughs> right, it's just like those are his hobbies. Like I've, uh, he keeps hanging out with that adrenaline junkie, Grace and Bloody Wool. That's the like, problem. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting into flipping houses. Good. Start getting a property portfolio. No, no, no flipping <laughs> over houses. All oh, right, right, yeah, cool. Film it. Like at least film it, then I'll use a tape. Because, yeah, what if, like, what if I can't put the title on you? Because, like, you're just going to absolutely, you're going to break your neck every third year like Steve Austin did. Not through bumping and make me millions of dollars, but because you just wanted to see, uh, can I leapfrog my chimney? <laughs> yeah, bad news, bad news, Tony. I lost the title. Oh, no, is it stolen like Jericho? No, I dropped it into the Grand Canyon when I was flying. <laughs> <laughs> dropped it or something. He's just waiting for the tape to come through, isn't he? Like, uh, of the Homer Simpson thing where he just keeps falling down the cliff. <laughs> I just, I just have a word, Sting. Of the other <laughs> word, Sting used to play Mad Max with the Steiner brothers. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I remember hearing about that. It's probably why him and Darby really get along. Yeah, don't take Sting's advice; he's an absolute lunatic. Darby Allen invents like highway car jumping. <laughs> right, just open the sunroofs and flip. Yeah, the he's that one on the uh, in Mad Max, so he's just hanging onto the the big I don't know pole or something. <laughs> where they can get onto the car. Um, just off the just complete tangent here. Um, you mentioned there about reinventing yourself. Either of you try and reinvent yourself when you went to university, fresh start and all that? No, I've been this boring since day one. <laughs> Say one more time, sorry. Did you like, because there was a lad at my uni, I obviously just, I mean, there's no escaping the real me, so I just stayed me. But there was a lad at uni who moved into one of the rooms next to me, and I went, oh, cool, you got a guitar. And he went, hey, I can't play it. I uh, just brought it to make it look, make me look cool. Did you try and reinvent yourself? <laughs> I did think. Did he learn? Did he get any lessons or anything? Or I don't it? know. I, I didn't really. I, hang out with him after that. I was like, hey, a weird guy. You are. <laughs> Have I ever gone for a very premeditated like personality or aesthetic reinvention? Mm. Not personality. It's for losers. Like just if you're a legend, just be one. Yeah. You know. Um, 
I realized that uh, the key to social success in the early to mid-2000s was to basically, much like Alex Turner said at the start of Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, was just to be one of the strokes. (laughs) (laughs) You get, like, hipster mates, some other things, and uh, just basically shoulder-length hair straightened, skinny jeans, maybe a bit of eyeliner if you fancy, and a sharp aesthetic pivot from in-betweener to Julian Casablanca's cosplayer. (laughs) (laughs) That's about all I went for. Have you ever had long hair? Yeah, he has. It's yeah, like, yeah. It looks good. So the same thing like the shoulder, it's a revelation for shoulder length. Shoulder length. Like I was, I, I, I said, all had it then. I've said to you before, I was desperate for the death of the bootleg. So the skinny jean coming in was like, I'm just pleased from an admin point of view this exists. <laughs> like I, I hate bootleg. Like the flare and bootleg era just never was for me. My mate got the like best mate was in like, with the same sort of stuff like the new metal run, but like he would go and get the giant like mega wide ones where they would fray at the bottom. Your trainers would get caught. Uh, yeah, hated them. So the skinny jean thing was just good from an admin point of view. Personality wise, you know, it's like it's my sandwich. It's like who says theme? Just cheese. Day one. Like that's been me. Like hey, want a bit more bland with your bland? I'm your guy. I was always a cock. Like <laughs> <laughs> always, just uh, always been a cock. Well, there we go. When we finally launched, always, always been a pretentious. There is a, there is a long hair photo. I'm sure it, I put it on Twitter before, but yeah, that that indie hair because. Well, you couldn't not, I don't think. Yeah. I felt more uniform to have that haircut than not, I think. And I'm very much a uniform guy. Yeah, I, I went to uni with, like, shockwave spiked hair. <laughs> and very quickly went, well, this doesn't work. This doesn't fit at all. It doesn't work for Will. will. <laughs> I, uh, when we launch, well, we, we need to delete, delete those photos of us online about that so we can launch our own little Patreon thing. And we won't give anything else extra away, but we'll just, you can see the photos of us with long hair. Because... <laughs> Oh, it, it didn't work for me. You pulled, you pulled it off. I've seen the photos of you back in the day, but I not for me. All right. nah. There is a picture. I think I wouldn't be with my wife right now if I had that hair. She's blatantly said that to me. Ugh, no, my wife. I went a bit poor weller in third year. Yeah, <laughs> a bit a, full a well end. I was, was the name, a well end. I had a well end haircut. Dickity, like Dickity's and well ends. I saw you looking like that. Like it was never have happened. Why not? Why not? Of course it was. <laughs> My now wife was with me when I had long hair and she hated it. I grew, I, had, I grew it twice ultimately and she hated it. And then like I started growing about the second time and it was at that like key, we'd been together a few years by this point and it was that key point where like, am I growing this to be stubborn or am I wanting to actually maintain this relationship? And it was like, <laughs> I'll go get it cut. It's fine. You win. You win. But she wishes I still had it now. Like she'd want to be seen with me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of incredible transformation, Where's my husband gone? He's just fading at the background. <laughs> Hamouflage. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do something with that. Do you think if I'd have asked you, by the way, just to bring this back on topic, if I'd have talked about Darby Allen? No, no, no. I'm about to. We're about to get into this next match. But if I'd have asked you, who do you reckon is going to take the uh, Cody Rhodes central entrance gimmick and make it mint again? I wouldn't have put money on Powerhouse Hobbs back in the day. But my word, that entrance now, just like, oh, here he is. Yeah, makes him feel special. And he yeah. just, yeah, I, I said there about the transformation. He looks incredible now, and he just wrecked this dude, Matt DiMartino, I think was his name. It was an incredibly short squash, and that's all he needs to be because, yeah, it, he's got over the spinebuster as a finish, which is no mean feat considering how much of a you know just passive move it was for a long time. Absolutely, you know who probably had something to do with that? Who? CM Punk. 
the talk is that CM Punk saw something in Hobbs. Wasn't he in the five names when it was like Hobbs, Darbs, Hobbs, Dobbs, Hillman Jr. Mm. That was weird. I think it said Jungle Boy and Starks. That, was that like, sounds that right. Was like yeah. five. Um, so he's always rated Hobbs, and apparently he's took a liking to mentoring him when he was still in the company, I think. And what did Punk do when he's like, happy to be here, I'm going to like bring something classical back to pro wrestling. He got the body slam over. Mm-hmm. So he's probably taught Hobbs. He's always had a good one, but it's different now. Maybe he's just spike yeah. some kind of like old man veteran advice that we can't really see, but we can feel it. Mm. Well, it's, it's just quickly on this as well, before he cuts this promo... What is it? Is it you know like when we were at a WWE live show and in the ad breaks or whatever they like they sweep the ring a lot, didn't they? Like it's a clean canvas, like best, and probably use some of that magic COVID spray that Triple H told us about. <laughs> you know, that canvas nice and clean. Do they not do that in AEW, right? Because you see when Hobbs is cutting the promo, he's done one move in like a thirty second squash and he's cut himself. Yeah, he busted lip, didn't it, they? They tried to sell just, that as like Samoa Joe did it when like he did a spot where like Dax's daughter put a foot on thingy's chest. How have you gotten cut? Like what is in? Is there like little bits of like? Lint or something. There's just like <laughs> you do what you take one bump. It's like oh, I nick my back again. Like there's just there's always these like it's it's like I know like there was a lot of blood early doors to make the point that this this isn't WWE. Mm. Like they're getting cut by accident more than blading <laughs> at this yeah. point. Uh, so anyway, he cuts this promo yeah with a busted lip that they tried to sell as Stark's attack, but it was it happened before I could spot it here. <laughs> yeah, uh, he talks about it only taking four minutes for him to destroy Ricky Starks at all out. It's now time for a new chapter in the book of Hobbs. Uh, and then Ricky Starks is walking through the crowd in me. Oh, my God. Absolutely peace, he looks. And uh, he just doesn't mess about, just gets in, spikes Hobbs in the head with a microphone, and uh, Hobbs gets out of there as Starks does his little pose, and he's, he's back. He's back. This was fine. This was just fine mm. for me, if I'm being honest. Did. And then we went for the neck, and that was built as a no-no. Come on, like... Beat us if you can. Don't break my neck. Mm. Yeah. stuff. So maybe it was justification for like, but he just got his ass beat at the pay-per-view. Should he not have come out a little bit contrite? Sorry, I got smashed in four minutes. Sorry, I let you down. Um, it felt like the vengeful badass return. It's like he got mopped. Yeah. So, yeah, something about this that didn't work for me. I totally agree. I like this in spite of what it actually was. I like the guys involved so much. Exactly. Yeah. Like Starks pulls off that entrance and all that kind of thing. Yeah, it, like almost identical problems with it. Hobbs battering the guy is kind of in the right to want to move on. Like, well, it's feeling like a theme. Fixtures-based promotion, just won the big match on the pay-per-view, taking his opportunity. He should be moving onwards and upwards. Like, who is Starks to get this match or to keep this thing alive? If anything, heels do that because they're pissed off and they want another go. CM Punk has to offer the world and a dog collar to get MJF back in the ring. You know, like there's... Starks is just going to walk out the crowd and like poke the bear and get his rematch or something and then win the rematch and then what have you 50 50 it mm. yeah it's like there was a strange energy to this they've uh, but i thought this in the build since turning babyface they've kind of underthought starks because the power of his like personality and charisma almost saves them a job don't get lazy with yeah, these sort of details uh, and then we got a tag team tire match out of nowhere it was uh swerving our glory versus uh, the lucha bros beforehand death triangle cut, uh, cut a promo uh, saying now they've got all, got all the bloody belts. Uh, Pac's got two belts, obviously, the All-Atlantic and the, the trios, and, and, and Penta and Phoenix have got the trios as well. And now they're going to win back their, their their tag titles now. So it's a bit a bit random, this, but out of nowhere. Um, it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, 
Strickland and Penta start off, no messing about. I did like, I think it was Penta just kicking the hands out of Strickland as he tried to get out of something, doing a handstand, effectively. Um, an assisted splash by the Lucha Bros, got a two count. Um, then, but then Phoenix finds himself in the corner with Strickland, who connects with the Hurricane Rana off the second rope. Again, I, I don't want to tell you how to do your job, guys. Phoenix, don't try and do a chop exchange with Keith Lee. <laughs> Because Keith Lee just flattened him, obviously, as a result of that. Uh, the Lucha Rose regain control, though, dive outside, but Lee steamrolls Phoenix uh, in his corner. Strickland comes in, starts mocking Penta. Don't do that either. It's a bad idea. Uh, Phoenix spins out of a gory special. Spin kick, hot tag to Penta. Um, Phoenix goes to dive on Lee and gets caught and then just lawn dart into his partner uh, after he just hit a Made in Japan f- uh, Penta had on Strickland. Penta goes for the fear factor, uh, but Strickland slaps him, tags in Lee. Phoenix tries a, a crossbody on Lee and gets caught and just ragdolled. Uh, they try to do Strickland and Lee do their, their corner powerbomb double stomp, but Penta gets involved, and that's allow- that allows Phoenix to hit a Spanish fly off the top. A step-up destroyer on Keith Lee from Penta. For a, yeah. Yeah. for a two count. Um, Strickland shoves Phoenix off the top, though. Uh, Lee hits ground zero for the one, two, three. A claim come out afterwards, but we'll talk about the match first. I like this a great <laughs> deal, except it was incredibly stupid. I'll take stupid Lucha Brothers doing stuff that pops me daft, even though if you pull on the thread, it all unspools. When you've got the exquisite craft of that main event, my god, oh my god. Oh my god. There were two spots in this that saved this from pretty much what on earth are you doing disaster? And it was Keith Lee catching Phoenix and then throwing him back in the ring to break up a count. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that. No. It was so creative and clever. And Keith Lee getting Canadian destroyed, which is stupid. It was stupid when Adam Cole did it. It was kind of stupid here, but it's still like, look at him doing that. <laughs> yeah. done that. The finish was anticlimactic. Keith Lee barely worked like a big man. They're playing heel. And the heat spot was just Phoenix kicking Keith Lee's leg in. <laughs> like, have Keith Lee monster these idiots and, yeah. like, get, like, over properly as a heel, at least for now, for the acclaimed match. This just felt like... Pounce Alex Abrantes into the crowd again. Champions get beat. Champions get beat for the second time on the show. And they've only back won... Back to back. Back yeah. to back. Two champions back to back, and they only won the titles this month, the pair of them. Just to get on that before I forget it. Remember when Scorpio Sky beat Chris Jericho, and you're like, Jesus Christ. Oh, it works because it's a tag team match, and Jericho's not a tag team specialist, but my God, what a bold move, and what this is going to do for Scorpio Sky. And it didn't work out, but like they just timed it perfectly. When Christian Cage beat Kenny Omega, I was like, bloody hell, mm-hmm. Kenny Omega's been beat. And these registered as the shocks because they were shocking because they rarely happened. And to do it this early in the two reigns twice over, I was furious. It's like a uh, Graham Sooness level fury of like, just what are you doing that for? Like, you know, the dress, like the manager in yeah. the dressing room just bollocking them for such a <laughs> stupid error and for being lazy when you know the better. So that annoyed me. Um, no one bought the title change either because of the match we've got next week. Yeah, and the finish was anticlimactic. I think this was an attempt to say, right, Swerve in our glory, even if this reign has done nothing but really get the acclaimed over, what an amazing thing to have done. And some of the three ways earlier in the year were great. And 
There was two freeways, one of which won the title, then not much, and then the acclaimed. I would describe this reign and their winning the titles as a massive success, but maybe Tony Khan thought maybe it needs one more banger for people to remember it fondly. And you want to curate your title lineages so that they always mean something. And maybe he thought it needs something else before we put it on the acclaimed. Lucha Brothers, one of the best teams we have. They're champions, but who cares? No, I care, actually. Tony, (laughs) I actually do care. I'm a nerd about the prestige of championships. And ultimately, this is how you make money and tell stories with your promotions. So, the Destroyer Spot kicked ass. Yeah, like, I didn't think I could still get much out of the, like, empty calories of Penta and Phoenix at this point, And yet, I found some here. Like, this was this was a banger in spite of, like, everything I agree with, with what Cedric's saying there about the titles. I have... I'm building already some cynicism about the merit of these trios titles because they were saved and saved and saved and saved because Kenny and the Books wanted them. And now Kenny's Whose fault's that? Yeah, yeah. And now Kenny and the Books are gone, right? And the champions have been beaten in the first week. So it's like, so did even Tony Khan want them that much? Or was this Kenny and the Books and now they're gone for a bit and it's like, what do we do with that? I don't care. Like, I don't, however, like I was I suggested something to say this morning and then he, as he so does brilliantly, Ruthlessly undercut the purpose of it, and I was like, "Yes, you're right." But I think with way more of a Fed brain than Sige does, <laughs> I honestly think that this is going somewhere, and this booking will make sense in like three weeks. I think Swerve and the Glory are going to lose the acclaim; it's going to be amazing, mm-hmm. and then Swerve is going to like link up with a heel, like a nasty piece of work. I don't know who this is, but just some arsehole on the roster, and he's going to say to Keith Lee, "We're with them guys. We're going to take the trios titles." They're, that's the real quiz. We're going to win the trios titles, and Keith Lee is going to be asked to make a choice between these two complete arseholes. And maybe winning a trios title, and that's going to be the swerve in our glory split. He's like, because they've, they've got lick and lay claim to being the like being trios champions because they've just beaten the champions effectively, and I think that's going to lead to an angle. And then, like Sid was right to say, yeah, that's totally what Triple H would do. Like, do a bad thing to do a good one in the end. And I was like, oh yeah, that's how we watch wrestling differently sometimes. Yeah, but like, I think it was because I was slightly high on the, the bizarre quality of this match. Yeah. Had this the match kind of had no right. Yeah, like, and that's what I got from this. I like that as an idea because uh, I want to see Ray Phoenix flip off Keith Lee as well, and then be like, "That's your fault, Keith. You yeah. helped him win." If yeah. anything. <laughs> um, right. So the acclaimed interrupt, uh, but again, Max Caster's like, "I haven't got time right now to talk about uh, topical things in a rap." Um, so I'm just going to get into it with uh, with Swerve. Um, uh, they tell him to stop not hugging every famous person he knows. Um, uh, Caster tells him to roll Keith Lee to Grand Slam. <laughs> no one, no one popped for that. I don't think they had time to conjure the mental image. <laughs> he's absolutely just brutalized Keith Lee in this feud, <laughs> which is great because, like, as awesome babyfaces as the acclaim now are, Keith Lee has a right to yeet Max Caster all over. The yeah. show, so it's kind of ideal for the match. Uh, and Bowen says they're going to beat their Drake and Josh-looking ass <laughs> next week. <laughs> Great. I just wish the rule line got a pop because the mental image conjured <laughs> of Swerve Strickland. Running on like a barrel. <laughs> you know, those people that like, jog like a on a tennis barrels. ball into Arthur Ashe as well. Just rolling him like a snowball. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. I, uh, this was already where it needed to be, this match. This yeah. was a lot of fun. This is just a little bit of fun, funny detail. Uh, Marvez wasn't having much luck uh, on this show. He tried to interview De- Death Triangle. Penn and Vince just walk off. Pac gets in his face, and I'm an All-Atlantic champion. And then Pac gets knocked out by an orange punch. And orange says, uh, double champ champ, huh? Not for long. This indicated to me, with a very literal blocking, that Death Triangle are, in fact, not that long for this world. I, I, I got the opposite, but I'm always wrong. So it's going to work out all right. I think Orange Cassidy is going to lose to Pac for Pac to fight 
Ethan Page in Canada and leaves the title in, like so Ethan Page can call his shot and actually pull it off as getting the firm over. But CM Punk's ruined everything. (laughs) (laughs) In the build-up to All Out, or maybe on the pre-show itself after the Cassidy thing, like there was a bit where Pac said something a little bit "Eh," Mm. the Death Triangle. I remember that. See them looking like each other. Is he just taking the piss out of us? And then I think that Dragon Lee was going to link up with Lucha Brothers. Pac was going to replace Malachi Black in the House of Black. House of Peck. House of Peck. Stale name that would be, <laughs> and then that would be a direction in the trio's division. I mean, CM Punk's ruined everything, so who the hell God knows? Who the hell knows? Uh, we get a, a promo from just because you broke your foot doesn't mean you have to take it out on anybody else, <laughs> Philip. <laughs> Philip, <laughs> no, he's in trouble. You now. know when he, he hates that, doesn't he? He hates it when people call him like Philip. I remember for a bit. Hey, like, Phil, hey, Phil, sign this. Let me get a photo. <laughs> hey, Phil, can I sign your cast? You know when, like, a child does something wrong mm. and they go, uh, because they know and they're a little bit embarrassed and they know better. <laughs> <laughs> that happened with my child this morning. <laughs> uh, we get a promo from... Uh, he called you an empty-headed... <laughs> 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 he just said to your wife, like, you do nothing in this business. Oh, James. I it, James. No more muffins for you. <laughs> It's had like six cans of poppies high as a kite. She's drinking them. Do you, do you think just Phil had too much sugar? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Do, you think, do you think Philip had too much sugar from the bakery and from his... Sorry, I'm picturing like he's both sat at a desk next to each other and you doing the Tony Khan eyes and like not wanting to confront it. Shut up, Dad. Like, and, and you're like, so, no, James, actually, that was me. He didn't need to say nothing. Like, the, he had too much sugar. They weren't diet cooks. They were just like fat ones and he's got loads of energy. He's got Maybe so he CM Punk gets giddy and CM ruins Punk is overtired. Maybe he just needs to have a little nap. <laughs> it's, Sunday, <laughs> it's Sunday. You know you need to go to sleep. Yeah. Reasonable hour on a Sunday. Ruin your week otherwise. That's it. Bath yeah. night. <laughs> Get that blood off you. <laughs> Grow up. Grow up. Grow up, CM Punk. I'm missing no, one. Number one wrestling podcast gets <laughs> aggregated. Same <laughs> punk to grow up. AEW <laughs> is exponentially better and worse without him. <laughs> that is the ultimate distillation of the paradox that he is. You see, you hang around with that boy. You get, if A Steel told you to jump off a bridge, would you do it? Huh? <laughs> get carried away for your mates. Darby Allen is. What? I'm going. <laughs> <bear! laughs> see a bug's jumping off a bridge out there. <laughs> Right, Tony Storm and Athena cut a promo uh, on uh, Britt Baker and Serena Deeb. Uh, they talk about, I've been brushing, flushing, and eating apples to keep the doctor away, and they're going to win it for Hikari Shida. And then they didn't. Uh, <laughs> Britt, Britt Baker sucks to be Shida, huh? <laughs> yeah. She wanted oh. to keep the doctor away. She should just simply sign with AEW so she hardly gets booed. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good way. That's a good way of keeping I've never been so healthy. It's unbelievable, this deal. <laughs> <laughs> Kenny Omega's fully fit. I'm in a video game. I'm going meeting Ibushi in Japan. <laughs> Stretching. Feel the best I've felt in years. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Dr. Tony. So it was the uh, interim Women's World Champion, uh, Tony Storm and Athena versus Britt Baker and Serena D. Rebels there to cause interference, of course, at ringside. Um, early on, Athena tags in. Here's a nice spinning face buster on, on uh, um, I think it was... Deeb, but potentially Baker gets some old trips. Uh, Deeb attacks her leg on the apron. They target that for a, large, uh, a long time. Uh, Deeb, because she's mint, 
What's a modified figure four on, but Athena gets free with an Inseguri. Uh, Tony Storm makes a hot tag, but Britt avoids sweet cheek music in the corner. Um, Storm used Deeb as a launch. Oh, yeah. Will Bourne didn't. That's not me. <laughs> For once. Um, Storm used Deeb as a launching pad to hit a tornado DDT on Baker. That was nice. Uh, Baker recovers, though. Uh, hits a sling blade. Athena and Deeb make the tag. Deeb counters a springboard into a cross arm breaker. Uh, Athena powers Deeb up, hits a meteora. Storm tags him. Deeb rolls through on a cross body into a single leg crab. <laughs> Athena kicks. I thought for a second she'd just not realized or she'd missed the kick completely. And I realized, nah, it's just Serena Deeb. She's going, I'm still not going to let go. Even yeah. if you kick me. Uh, uh, just eats strikes from Athena. Anyway, the match breaks down. Baker slams Athena into the ring steps. Uh, Storm counters a Deeb tox, but Rebel takes the ref, and Deeb sends Storm into Britt Baker on the apron, who's got a chair, and Deeb pins the interim women's champion. Stupid, stupid. It's already interim. It's already <laughs> Stupid, <asterisk>. stupid, <laughs> stupid. It's already interim. It's already asterisks. It's already... Ah, oh, it's not quite the same. This is so stupidly early. It's, it's like WWE booking. It is... Especially... Papa H wouldn't even do this. It's Vince McMahon booking, okay? Because now you have to lick Triple H's arse. So you have Since to... he resigned in disgrace. Yeah. yeah. Retired? Age 77 at the age of 76. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have to lick Papa H's arse now. And I don't even think, has he done this yet? Has he absolutely bantered off a champion? I kind of think of one. He's, because he's rebuilt the mid-card titles, hasn't he? Yeah. Uh, uh, he's kind of he's sideways bantered off the tag, tag titles yeah, because yeah, yeah. you couldn't be the number one contender because Braun... <laughs> So oh, yeah, so he's the worst of this. Oh, yeah, that's God. kind of... <laughs> thank God. But, yeah, pathetic result. Especially especially when you've got Athena right there, who can take... Like, she's just lost against uh, against uh, yeah. Jade. So. Out of contention for now. Yeah, yeah. out of contention for now. Um, at least if you're going to have a one-on-one match, not a four... What's Athena done? Right so the now. losing side of this match, she's lost to TBS, and now my understanding is she's going to Grand Slam next week. What? Yeah. What? Is she? She's in the yeah, she's in the multi-woman match, yeah. She's done now? What? Right. Sorry. You're doing nothing. know about that. Thing is, right. Stupid booking. Lazy. Back-to-back champions being Back-to-back pinned. champions. Wake up, man. <laughs> Wake up. Yes, but... Um, Tony Storm as well versus um, Deeb. Oh, my God. Yeah, that would rule. And it was ruling when it was happening. So just do that. If you must pin her to do the match, just don't book the match in the first place. What you could have done, right? And I know that I like getting Britt Baker on every single card. And it is getting a little bit tiresome, actually, because it's getting in the way of other stories you could tell. And now they're becoming increasingly, like, tacked on. Serena Deeb cuts a promo. Everyone was reminded, oh, Christ, Deeb's awesome. Um, I'll have that match with Grand Slam, please. Understand that Tony Storm is the ratings draw. Uh, Britt Baker is the ratings draw, so she must be shoehorned in everywhere. And I get it, but what you could do is just do the work. <laughs> yeah, do the work to get other women over, so you don't have to rely on these contrived devices. Now, the latest workaround they've come up with for doing the work, which is weird, but they always do that. Like, should we do the work? Uh, shortcut. Like, I've noticed this. The they're not adding more matches. They're not trying very hard to get stories over or characters over, but. This is just an observation of mine, but I think it might be an internal one now as well. The multi-women matches have been pretty great. Tags, yeah. four ways, three ways, over singles matches have been, like, have performed quite well in terms of, like, this, this match, like, Grey Fondermale's good snap, 
Like, you, fans don't care because you're not getting these characters of them Britt Baker over. They made some noise when Jamie Hayter came out because that's an angle that's been paid attention to for yes. a while. That's the difference. You tell stories, people invest in characters. Um, Britt Baker is the only one that's over, over. So they're trying to do the rising tide raising all ships thing. It's all these are shortcuts, the shortcuts. But a multi-woman match is the latest shortcut that I've noticed. They're better. Generally, there's less dead spots. They seem to have a lack in lack of faith in some of the women to not botch or the inexperience of the newer women's wrestlers. So it's like, well, you got four out there. There's always something else going on. The impact is quite high. So it's just, I think that's why they've kind of gone down this route of the multi-woman match and they've maybe needed Athena as it, it doesn't really make sense. And the champion getting pinned is quite bad, but I think they've seen this as their latest cheat code. I should have fought with it. Like Thunderstorm as well being a tag team. Yeah. That's where like it just feels like that's I've noticed that lately, rather than relying on a singles match to build to, they're building the multis instead. Uh, as you mentioned, yeah, post uh, post match, uh, Baker and D beat down Athena and the uh, interim champion Tony Storm. Uh, Jamie Hayter comes down because they're getting a chair to kill them both. <laughs> Takes the chair and you think, oh my God, is she going to turn? She goes, no, this is how you hit someone with a chair. <laughs> just nails Tony Storm with it uh, and uh, just walks straight back out whilst Baker's there going, oh, sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's great. That was that was really good. Yeah. It's heat Jamie well. Hayter's great, man. Yeah. She's so good. Um, but before we move on to the main event. It's time to play the game. Michael Sidgwick, what game's that? We play a game. And it's designed to satirize how much of an afterthought and how obligatory the AEW women's division is. So by winning the game or coming close to winning the game just kind of shines a light on all of that. And the game is actually titled, <laughs> Well, this is ladies' night, and I'm thinking no word in So, it's in the second hour. Uh, do you want to run through the, the times that we uh, we, we will, we will. Just a quick thing. The actual rules of the game are, the whoever guesses in our fleet of podcasters, <laughs> remember all the fleet, and people thought it was the name of the show on Wednesdays. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> remember that? Oh yeah, all the elite fleet. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> A lot of them early registered trademarks. What are you doing? <laughs> what, uh, what's this? AEW <laughs> 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 fuse. So, so the rules of the game are: whichever one of the fleet of podcasters um, to correctly. Guess the closest time to the first time you hear women's athletes' entrance music on Dynamite wins the game, which, just to remind you the name, is this is Ladies Nine, I'm thinking no word in The times are in order of uh, earliest time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Shut your, your ass. Sidgwick, zero hours, 31 minutes, 32 seconds. Wilborn, zero hours. 35 minutes, 49 seconds. Hamlet, one hour, 11 minutes and eight seconds. And then stats. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do we need to second take a step back and explain to anyone that only listens to AEW coverage? Yeah, Stax is a recurring <laughs> guest on our podcast. Fortunately, who, not here today. Fortunately, not here today. Yeah. Who um, moonlights from his NXT 2.0 career to help us out. Yeah. We've his, just we've come to really enjoy Stax's company. Yeah. So we're glad to have him too. Mutual thing. Um, so thanks as always to Adam Blair at Adam Wilton four on Twitter, who's uh, kept the rankings up for this. Uh, who revealed in the early hours of this morning that at one hour seventeen minutes and twenty four seconds, the winner of this week's ladies' night is in fact Stax. Well done, Stax. Congratulations to you, Stax. Shame he uh, obviously can't be here to to get his flowers. 
Stacks, how's it going, man? So Stacks. Stacks. Nice to see you. Hey, guys. <laughs> I've got a question for you. Diggy, what are you saying? <laughs> How are you going to celebrate your first ever ladies' night victory? Uh, I'm going to surprise you here. Uh, I'm going to retire from the game. I'm going <laughs> 100% record. And me and Tony are going to go for a nice steak. I'm going to treat the boss. Ah, he's such a nice guy. That's so stacks, isn't it? That is so so stacks. It's classic stacks. Stacks. You're showing. Yes, Amy. <laughs> you're showing your knowledge of women's wrestling here. Indeed. I'm, ass- I'm assuming. I it's- said they put on a show. I'm assuming it's based on your uh, your friendships in 2.0. Who's your favorite wrestler on the women's roster on 2.0? Oh, I gotta say, someone to watch out for. That Tiffany Stratton, man, she, uh, <laughs> oh boy, she, uh, she got some talents. Let me tell you. And, uh, you know what else me and, me and Tony are going to celebrate? I got a little, uh, new catchphrase for you, huh? A little bit of the bubbly. What do you think, guys? Anyway, gotta go. Gotta get ready because the new version of NXT, and uh, I don't think there's gonna be much room for stacks on there. <laughs> See you later, guys. Bye, stacks. Bye, stacks. Bye, He needs to get on a t-shirt quick before I he think gets demoted. Might be able to like release an actual custom bottle. Should we talk about main event? Get back to the rest of the side of the Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, God. Uh, just a small matter of Brian Danielson versus Chris Jericho. Oh, my God. In the other semi final to see who faces Moxley in the uh, Grand Slam Tournament of Champions final. Uh, uh, straight out of the Arthur ass next week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sweating so much. Madison Square Garden, like the garden will always be the garden, Vinny. Arthur ass. Straight out of the Arthur ass. Some idiot podcasters ruined the nicest stadium they've got. Like. <laughs> <laughs> A uh, nice, nice, nice little tidbit uh, from Excalibur. Brian Danielson never beaten Chris Jericho in his career. Uh, Lord Regal being weird to Excalibur on commentary, as always. <laughs> um, Danielson controls uh, the majority of the opening minutes early on, works over the shoulder of Jericho to soften him up, obviously, for the submission. Jericho eats kicks, um, but fires back into it with a nice release German suplex. Springboard dropkick, springboard crossbody. Uh, Jericho's in control outside, Again, slap battle into a chop exchange, and uh, both men's chests were just, oh, horrible color. Um, and they both try for charging crossbodies, double down. I think that takes us to a break. When we come back, uh, Jericho's uh, fighting back. He drops Danielson with a lion salt, gets a two count. Uh, but as he charges at Danielson in the corner, Danielson moves. Jericho's goes shoulder first. That's not going to help later on into the post. But Jericho crotches Danielson in the corner and hits a Hurricane Rana to uh, to take over. He misses a Judas effect. Danielson hits a snap German into cattle mutilation. And again, we get these brutal an- hammer and anvil elbows from a member of the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, Jericho gets out of it, though, hits a temple shot, and he's like, I'll give you hammer and anvil elbows. And Danielson just sits there. Like, is there a breeze? Want the door open or? <laughs> Just no sells it completely. More huge chops from both men. Jericho hits a code breaker and Danielson fires back with a Busaiku knee to lay them both out. Um, 
There's chopping on the apron following that. Jericho suplexes uh, Danielson to the floor, and Danielson is clutching his left ankle. He is in agony, so much so that referee Aubrey calls over the doctor and Jericho, get away, I'm killing this guy. Um, and he's just he's just horrible. Uh, he posts Danielson's ankle. He puts him in the figure four with the post, Bret Hart-esque. Um, Jericho chop blocks the leg. Uh, Danielson has to fight off a knee breaker. He tries for another Busaiku knee, but falls right into the walls of Jericho. And then Jericho transitions that into a into a heel hook, then a spinning toe hold. He's just torturing him, as I say. Uh, Danielson kicks out of all this, though, to manage to just get him in a roll-up. Um, but that looks like the last last gasp effort from Brian Danielson here. Um, Jericho puts on a figure four, and Danielson just starts, I'm just going to have to start scrapping with you on the floor in the midst of this. Uh, Daniel escapes into the LaBelle lock. Uh, Jericho's scratching and clawing, but um, Danielson... Horrible bastard sometimes, isn't he, Brian Danielson? Wrenches at the nose of Chris Jericho to get a better grip um, and gets the submission victory. Brian Danielson wins. He advances to the final. Uh, Daniel Garcia nodding in approval, watching backstage. And to close out the show, out walks the other member of the Blackpool Combat Club, um, John Moxley, squares up with Danielson. Uh, they will fight in the main event of Arthur Ashe, uh, Grand Slam, Dynamite, AW, next week, um, fighting for the world title. And there's a nice handshake to close out. Brilliant, this end uh, of the show. God, this match was absolutely incredible. I thought it was inc- like just so awesome. Right up there with Mox Jericho for me. So unbelievably great. What I loved about it was the double down spot. Because that was an indication that just fed the next part of the story so generously that they're kind of on each other's level. Danielson's the better wrestler, but Jericho's right there with him, which kind of, again, feeds into the Garcia thing. Garcia has to believe that Jericho can be good Mm. to be conflicted about this. So Jericho can't just cheat at every turn or be a bit of a rubbish wrestler who just needs to, like, rely on um, capitalizing on injuries and all the rest of it. So I loved that double-down spot because ultimately they are clashing together just like the internal conflict of Daniel Garcia, and then it changes the tone of the match, which before which was so great and so competitive and so focused with no flab, didn't get lost, didn't get lost in its own arse, like the um, all-out match where the crowd were giving it a fight forever, the fight forever treatment, and then Chris Jericho giving Brian Danielson... A suplex to the outside, which really should be considered more dangerous than it is, but in the hands of two masters, they put it over as dangerous. The knee was tweaked. It wasn't, oh, I fell off the top rope wrong. I don't really sympathize with you because you haven't got the right technique. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I don't like when baby faces do that generally. There are exceptions. So Jericho's done something to Danielson, and Danielson is selling it so well that for an instance, I think, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no, this promotion's been cursed enough. Come on. And then... The look on Jericho's face of, hang on, this is great, this, because I can just beat him now. And he works the ankle so well. And just the emotional mood changes from a great competitive match that everyone's really enjoying, fight forever to, oh, my God, is Danielson okay? Is he okay? I'm a little unnerved by this because the selling performance is so good. But now he's selling the comeback so well that a real emotional shift from not performative, not 
not earnest reaction, but to, I'm having a great time at the wrestling show, watching some great wrestling, to, oh my God, my hero, my man in the match is needing my support to get back into it. A real sporting atmosphere. Loved it so much. This was absolutely great. The kind of match you would give five stars to before wrestling got too good for itself. <laughs> yeah, no, it's only a raised bar that stops us being one of those things we talk about for years and decades to come. Put this on on a 90s TV wrestling show and we'll be celebrating it now in like a Bret Hart one, two, three kid voice. Just like this changed so much and inspired so many people. Echo all of that there. We were kind of like gushing over this match in the office this morning. I think we both, me and Cedric both shared that feeling of Jericho's got no right. He cannot win here. And there's no way before the match you're getting pulled in with that much emotion into thinking the result's going to go, going to go that way, in that direction. There was a sense of, I think, anyway, uh, shoot professional pride that these two were wrestling for. Like, maybe bruised egos off the mm-hmm. back, and that's not the worst Jericho thing sometimes. always eventually acknowledges. He'll be yeah. bullish at first. Oh, that was a great match. Oh, this catchphrase is great. He'll eventually get it. He'll yeah. eventually read the room. And I, like, what was this sweary one that Moxley just cut the ball? GFY. That's GFY, <laughs> yeah. That's cool. And you've, oh, right, Moxley's just ruined it. Yeah. It's But great when it motivates a yeah. match of this standard and wrestlers that you know can do it. I love... Like, cause I remember a few weeks ago, like, the idea of, like, the Dragon Tamer. Oh, my God. Like, Garcia appealing to both guys, and now it's flipped. That's a great point, Sid. Because yeah. Garcia's watching on the screen. It's actually the two veterans appealing to the prodigy because they're both like, oh, like, I want him to like my style. And it's me and Sidgwick recommending bands to Josh Brown. Yeah. Like, we've been around the block, and it's like, if he likes that band, get in. That's a, like, that's a win for one of the Dars. Like, that's the rest. <laughs> is that, like, they, they're both kind of somehow are now performing for Garcia's affection. And how that's turned mm. for whatever comes at the pay-per-view and whatever the long-standing payoff is, is brilliant as well. Uh, I love this, not just because of how great the match was, but because it still existed, as you were reminded, as the show went off the air, for a bigger purpose. When the quality match isn't even the central reason for this to exist, the central reason is the world title and the main event next week, like, you're being spoiled. Like, this match wasn't just a great match to have a class match between two world-class pro wrestlers. It's because they want to advance in a tournament to fight for a title. Like, that's 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 peak pro wrestling, like, television pro wrestling. And I, I, I don't know why I realised this. You, you two are smarter than I am, so you probably picked this up from the moment they announced the brackets and what have you. But I just suddenly was like, oh, yeah, if Danielson wins this whole thing, he's beaten all the champs. Apart from Punk, obviously, who can potentially, if they want to do that or if not, as Paige, Kenny. Page. Oh no, yeah, Kenny. Bollocks. Oh well. I suppose we'll have to have that one as well. <laughs> yeah. Every three available, of the but three of the champions. Every champion in the bracket? Yeah. Yeah. Every, every champion available in the... champion, which works. Yeah. Yeah. So really, really exciting stuff, this. Uh, which um, by the way, mirrors uh, New Japan Cup run of Zack Sabre Jr. for a um, long for a long standing yes. match that you couldn't have this year at Forbidden Door. Yes. The guy that taps out all your hunks and all your faves. That's like the but yeah, a hell of a way to close the show. This is one of those things, Sige, I often used to do this when we do. I don't really want to draw too many comparisons between Dynamite and Monday Night Raw. But this, I draw any. Uh, because it, because it's incomparable. It, it They've was, never had back-to-back champions getting pinned on Raw. Never. <laughs> True. It was one of those things where this match was so good, I came in going, this is one of the best Dynamites we've seen in, in ever. <laughs> because, because my memory is a goldfish, and the last thing that I see on Dynamite makes me feel a certain way about this show. I just love this main event. And needed this to not rescue it, but there were baffling things that happened with this main event. Oh my God. Absolutely. 
Uh, well, let us know your thoughts on AW Dynamite on Twitter uh, at WhatCultureWWE. You actually can follow all three of us. Of course, you can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE uh, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Of course, me and Sid will be back tomorrow to preview AEW Rampage. Uh, but for now, this has been the AEW Dynamite Review. My thanks to the Dudley Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.